Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. Hi, everyone. And welcome to another edition of Overcoming Your Emotional Eating. I almost want to call today's edition a special edition because it's something that I have thought about, looked at, worked with, talked through, understood, tried to understand more about, researched, pondered, wondered, journaled (laughs) about understanding more about how we create walls in our life. And in particular, in tonight's topic, how do we create a wall with our weight? How do we tell people to stay away by creating more of us so that we receive less? I know it doesn't make sense cognitively, but I'm working with patients for all these years. I've recognized, and I've had many clients recognize that they have, in fact, built a wall around them with their weight to keep out intimacy, connection, in fear of rejection, abandonment, loss, or other emotions coming up. That's the topic for today's call. Take a listen and see if it can help you continue to overcome what you had become. And if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. I love to hear from you guys and want to continue to flourish in helping you overcome. When we build a wall with our weight, we enable our weight or our body then, our weight of our body to stand between us and the world. It provides that external boundary where we feel like we're safe. Realistically, we know that that's not the case, but it sure feels a whole lot better to not be noticed in a body you don't want discovered. I remember years ago, years and years and years ago, and I remember the client, and I will never reveal names of clients ever, 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 but I remember this client, and I'd been working with her for quite a while, and we where we'd get some traction in working with her overeating and then she would fall back into binging and then we'd get some traction and she'd fall back into binging. And she actually had a diagnosable eating disorder and and binge eating. But I've worked with many other clients who just kind of dove on the facet of emotional eating. And the reality was, you know, there isn't a distinction realistically between what she was doing and what I've done with clients with emotional eating. So I don't want you to think that anybody that has this issue has to be as extreme as having a binge eating disorder, but this client did. That being said, as we dove in further and and began our journey and our work together and, and kind of going through these ups and downs, I asked her a question one day and that question was, what does your weight provide you? What does your weight provide you? And she eloquently said safety. And I was like, well, that's an interesting parameter. What do you mean by that word when it comes to your weight? 
And so she said to me, as I've so often learned from clients, I've learned from clients as much as I teach clients. She said to me, well, I'm safe in this body. Nobody likes this body. Nobody wants to touch this body. Nobody wants to be uh, sexually attracted to this body. She had long not had a partner in her life and um, felt very comfortable with that. And we started to talk further about that. And she really recognized then how much her weight had provided a wall for her, a wall of intimacy. She didn't have to be intimate with other people. She felt like nobody was interested because of the weight that she was at. She was well into her high 300s or 400s at that time. And so it, this really provided that wall of security, wall of safety, she called it. And I work with clients. So we then started on the journey of how else do you find safety instead of gaining weight, instead of eating and gaining weight and making the weight your wall? Is there another way that you can create a wall or a boundary without using your weight? And so our journey began. I've worked with many clients, not in the 300s or 400s, but maybe even in the 200s or, or, or 100s who have done the same thing, created a wall with their weight. And if I even think about that and think about my clients with anorexia, the truth is they also built a wall with their weight just in the converse, right? So the reality is, is it, when we build a wall with our weight, it's not a conscious choice. So what I'm saying is, you know, it, it took months for this client and I to kind of unravel and get to the point where she so eloquently kind of spurted out safety. And then we were able to dive in and go further with that. It wasn't a conscious choice. It wasn't like she woke up one day and said, oh, I'm going to gain weight because that's going to create a wall between me and the opposite sex. And then no one will be interested in me. It wasn't, it wasn't like that at all. Right. It was covert. It was, it was, it was uh, overt. I should say covert. I should say under the surface and our unconscious mind does things and enables us to move in a direction that we feel safe in whatever way possible. And so for her, it felt, felt safer to be larger felt safer to be heavier. And that was not a conscious choice. It wasn't her cortex saying, oh, you should do this. It was her unconscious mind driving the boat. Several studies actually show that there is a definitive link between sexual abuse and weight gain. Now, I'm going to talk about different kinds of trauma and abuse in just a second, but I just want you to hear this because this is super interesting to me. One study showed that people who experience sexual abuse were 40 to 60% more likely to have a BMI that was greater than 35. This is a study that was done in 2013. 40 to 60%, significantly high, especially with a BMI greater than 35. We know that there are several reasons why this happens, and I'm going to talk about the difference between sexual abuse and sexual trauma and just trauma in general in just a minute so you can hear that. But there are several reasons why sexual abuse can be indicated in weight gain. One of those is that gaining weight can be like covering your body in a protective shield, if you make yourself unattractive, 
then maybe the abuse will stop. And this is talking about people in active abusive situations. I'm going to talk further about your PTSD or things in the past in just a second. So maybe they won't notice you anymore. Maybe the weight will make them go away. Remember, this is not a conscious decision. And so the reality is, is we know that when they're gaining weight and they're covering their body in that protective shield, we, we know then that unconsciously it makes sense. Even consciously, it kind of makes sense if you think about it. Outside of being in an active sexual abuse situation, if someone feels uncomfortable with any attention being paid to their body, and many, many women and, and many men feel uncomfortable when attention is paid to their body. So that could be anything, right? Like cat calls or somebody telling you you look good. I've had many clients lose weight. Someone tells them or a number of people tell them that they look good and then they start to gain weight again. Some people would deem that self-sabotage. Sometimes I call it trauma, and you're going to see why in just a second. But that can happen as well. Think about all the reasons someone can feel uncomfortable with or in their body. Bullying. You've been bullied around your weight, too little, too big, or maybe just wasn't good enough, depending on who the bully was. Right? Lots and lots of people are bullied in their body. Lack of self-esteem, poor body image. The list can kind of go on and on at this point in our culture about the reasons why we might feel uncomfortable with or in our body. And if you don't feel comfortable in your body, and it's a rarity, unfortunately, that I hear anybody really say that they're comfortable in their body. It's very rare to hear that. But if you don't feel comfortable in your body and or you hate your body or the desire to be noticed in your body or in it or with it and you feel terrible putting yourself in a body that receives attention, the reality is, is you're not going to seek it. You're going to try and hide. You're going to try and blend in. You're going to try to not be as attractive. You're going to dim your light. You're going to go smaller. Or in this case, maybe bigger because it feels safer, just as my client so eloquently put it. It would feel better to not be recognized. And again, this is an unconscious choice. It's not always conscious. In fact, most of the time I find it's unconscious. Another thing that happens with a history of trauma or sexual trauma is emotional eating. We know that in emotional eating, we can numb pain, we can numb anger, we can numb, numb fear, or any strong, uncomfortable emotion. Survivors of sexual abuse and trauma have a lot of feelings that they may be trying to suppress. And food is a common coping mechanism. Quite frankly, food is probably one of our easiest coping mechanisms with the least amount of ramifications compared to things like drugs or alcohol, sex or gambling or shopping. There are more major ramifications to those things than food. 
I do know definitively the ramifications of overeating food, but I'll tell you they're much smaller and take a lot longer than those other addictive purposes that enable us to numb those feelings. So food is an easy coping mechanism. There's no confrontation, there's no fear or worry, and it enables us to numb those feelings that are present with a history of trauma or sexual trauma. As an aside too, to see all hear this, and this is really true, sexual abuse does not have to be ongoing intercourse with a family member. I don't know how we got this interesting definition in our culture, but I can't tell you the number of people, clients that I've talked to that have been asked by a provider, have you been sexually abused? And the client said, no, 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 time and time again, because we think that this was had to be intercourse. And for some people that had to be a family member, I don't know really where we've gotten all this, but, you know, so over the course of my career and even in my own personal distinctions, I now recognize that we have to ask that question differently. Sexual abuse to me is really categorized as anything that moves us into a place where we feel violated in any part of our body. Having something done to us or doing something against our will is what I believe sexual trauma or abuse to be. I remember years ago talking with a client who had a major body dissociation. She was very ill with an eating disorder, and I know I'm talking about an extreme here, but nobody but nobody could figure out why in the world was she so sick. We couldn't find a reason, and it's not like there's always one reason. Sometimes there's a compilation, but she was really, really ill. Um, we were very concerned that she was going to die. And, and I'm so surprised and thankful that she didn't, but she was doing some really terrible things to her body. Horrific. In any case, in talking with her, we started to talk about uh, trauma and sexual trauma and the interlink of those things and how, um, you know, she was saying that, you know, well, she'd never been sexually abused. No family member had ever hurt her. She'd had a great family, you know, and nobody ever forced her to have intercourse without her, you know, really being um you know, wanting it or saying yes to it, I should say. But when we really started to talk further, and I was talking to her more as a person as opposed to a practitioner, and asking her some questions, she told me about a time that she was actually forced into a bathroom, and this gentleman fondled her pretty explicitly, and then kind of ran out of the bathroom. It was from that moment on that she couldn't figure out what happened, where it happened, why it happened. She never really put the pieces of the puzzle together, never really considered it sexual abuse. So when she was asked that, because he didn't force to have intercourse, you know, she didn't put the pieces of the puzzle together. It's when I really started to recognize that's really true, right? It, it doesn't have to be intercourse, sexual trauma or trauma to our body. Right. I don't even maybe I shouldn't even call it sexual trauma. Trauma to our body can occur by somebody just doing something to it that we didn't want to happen. Now, that can go from medical trauma too, right. And and that's a whole other topic. But it's true when we have to have medical interventions. And I'm not saying not to do them, but when we have to have certain medical interventions done. Sometimes they have to be against our will because the outcome outweighs the, you know, the 
the present, but the truth is that can create a facet of what we call body trauma too. So again, if we look at body trauma, it would be anything that's forced onto, in, or done with or to our body against your will. That can, in fact, create this unconscious need to have a wall with your weight. We know that sexual abuse, sexual trauma is a common trigger for developing eating disorders, but it's also there in movement of emotional eating, not just binge eating, but emotional eating, depending on the level of trauma that you had, depending on how much you've worked through that trauma and or how much you still hold that trauma. The trauma of sexual abuse or abuse to the body is so disorienting that it can literally take away a person's sense of self, who they are, what they feel like in the world, and their sense of power. Trauma teaches us to disassociate. It just does. That's how we save ourselves in the moment from what feels like too much, too fast. In that disassociation, we can learn to do almost anything. And overeating can be one of those things as we get out of that situation. Being disconnected and disassociating from our body is a reigning theme in our culture. And many people overeat because of this disassociation. But using your weight as a wall between you and others is just a little bit different. Because what it does is it takes that and it moves it further into giving you more reason to hold on to your weight. We also know that sexual trauma or body trauma or abuse can also cause internal sensations that can become confusing. Things like tiredness, sexual arousal and hunger can all become mixed up in the signals that they send to the brain and in the movement to fight flight or in the movement to safety. And so food can be used to placate all of them. This in fact has been found distinctively in a research study in 2019 by Tartakovsky. So when this happens, someone can become tired or sexually aroused and display impending hunger because of the confusion of signals. You see, our body is wise, and so is our mind. And the truth is, those two things line up to help us in any way possible get through the world in feeling safe. A German philosopher once said, there's more wisdom in the body than in our deepest philosophies. If we simply just listen, and understand this wisdom, we can then work with our body instead of using it for things it wasn't really meant for, like walls. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.